Good morning, the Lord be with you. Stand up on your feet if you're able to this morning. It's good to be in the house of God together. I'm coming off of a devastating playoff loss last night. The Packers fell to the 49ers. Are you all cheering about that? It's just so weird, house divided. Maybe let's not talk about football anymore this morning. No, no. Hey, turn your attention to the screens over here and over here. And this is Psalm 24. Let's let this set the agenda for our worship this morning. I want you to say this loud, and I want you to say this with faith in your heart this morning. Come on, church, say it with me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Right now, church, before we go on to the next version or verse, would you just lift your hands high to the heavens? This is, we're beginning to welcome the Spirit now. Now let's say it again, verse 7. Say it, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Uh, who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. And now with your hands still up, stretch to the heavens. Would you begin to welcome the Spirit of the Lord in your own way and in your own words? And we say we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence in our midst. We are the gates of the Lord. Together, we are the gates by which the Lord, the King of glory, enters in. And so we say, Spirit of the living God, sweep in now among us. Usher us, Spirit of God, into the presence of Jesus Christ, the King, who speaks and heals and blesses and convicts and restores, who even now is establishing his rule and his reign on planet Earth. We say, we say, come and have your way. Come and have your way.
Yeah. 
recognize the Lord. Let's sing this out. Your blood is still speaking. Your love still reaching. All praise, King Jesus. Glory to God forever. Your cross, my freedom, your strength. You know, the scripture says that all things are possible to the one who believes. And uh, I don't know what it is, but when we have faith in our hearts, all bets are off. Like just anything can happen. And I'm, I'm sitting in here this morning and I'm worshiping with you all. And there is so much faith in Jesus in the house this morning. And so I just got like a, I don't know if like God is doing this in our midst, but I just have a desire to pray for healing. When there's this much faith in the house, it's like a good time to pray for healing. So I want you to do something this morning. If you have some condition in your body that you just like healing for, or you're connected to somebody that needs healing this morning, you're gonna be a stand-in for them. I want you to lift your hand real high. You need healing in your body, or you know somebody who needs healing in your body. Lift those hands high. And now church, I want you to gather around these people. 
And it's not my faith at work this morning, it's your faith, and I want you just to release it now into these bodies. Release it now into these bodies. The scripture says, when Jesus saw their faith, somehow that's when the power of God went into motion. Luke says that the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. So now we speak a word against all cancer in this house this morning. We speak a word against all heart conditions this morning. We speak a word against all organ failure in this house this morning. We speak a word against every chronic condition in this house that's cropped up this morning. We say be rebuked, be driven out of these bodies, and we speak to these bodies and we say rise up and obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of those in this house this morning that we are connected to that need healing, we pray that the power of the Lord would be present upon them even to heal. So many times in the scriptures, Jesus, you proved the worth of your name by the healings that you did. Yahweh says in the Old Testament, I am the Lord who heals you. And so we pray now that healing would race in this place. By his stripes, we are healed. The one that we worship on the cross is the one who has taken all sickness and infirmity into his body and he has released the undiminished life of the kingdom over us. And so now church, continue to release your faith. Continue, continue to release your faith this morning. Let's go.
Now, church, would you just lift your hands? Just like this. It's the beautiful thing about worship. So we come in and here and we bless the Lord, but then the Lord blesses us. It's a circle of blessing. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives your sins, heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed. So wherever you have need this morning, would you just receive from God? So we pray that you would lift the burden of sin in this house this morning. 
So we pray that wherever our life, our life feels like it's been cast into the pit, we pray that you would draw us out this morning. We pray that all healing would come into our bodies and to our minds. This morning, we ask that every work of hell against us would be cast into hell itself, never to return this morning because Jesus is Lord. And so church, now pray the words of the Lord Jesus with me, would you? Say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And if you agree with that, give God praise real loud this morning, church, with all you got. Offer it up unto the Lord. So good to see you. So good to be worshiping with you this morning. If this is your first time with us, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here. Joy to have you in our house. We'd love to meet you. Stop and see us at Connect Central after the service. We got a gift for you. We can answer any questions that you might have. A couple quick announcements for you this morning. Uh, remember that next Sunday is our last Sunday here at Grand Peak Academy. So the following weekend will be our launch at Rocky Mountain Classical Academy, about five miles due south of here. On Saturday, February 3rd at 10 a.m. at RMCA, We'll have a service of prayer and consecration dedicating this new season to the Lord. So please make uh, room in your schedule if you're able to for that. Join us. That'll also give you a chance to kind of see the digs before we officially worship in there. And then, of course, our relaunch at RMCA is going to be Sunday, February 4th. And that's also our fourth birthday as a community, which is pretty sweet. So just remember those things. Uh, also remember you got a little bit of time left, a couple weekends here to sign up for the summer Uganda trip that we're taking in mid-July. If you have any interest in that whatsoever, just head over there. There's a QR code on the screen that'll pull up the application and all the information. Don't have sticker shock around this. It's a little bit expensive as mission trips go, but we got some strategies that we're developing to make sure that we as a congregation send you on this trip and that it's not that much of a financial burden to you. But if you've got any tug in your heart, go ahead and do that today. If you're giving this morning, four ways to give as always. Thank you for your faithful tithes and offerings. Around here, you're giving powers uh, our house. We're grateful for that. Okay, without further ado from me, I want you to turn and greet like 17 people around you with the grace and the mercy and the peace of Jesus. Especially seek out faces you don't know. Make them feel welcome here. Rory's going to open the scriptures in just a moment. friends. You can take a seat. You can take a seat. The scene opens with a static shot 
of a long dinner table from the night before. It's completely disheveled. Like there has been a good dinner party the night before. Tablecloth is like halfway off the table. Food is still left on the plates. Bugs have begun to fly around, which is not the best part, but it means the food was good. Silverware has been tossed all over the place and it is the sign that something beautiful has happened. A wedding has taken place. And the whole town is in celebration. You can still hear coming from different corners of the village that a party is still very much going on. This is just one of the spots where the party had started. It's moved on from here. The camera then pans to the right and you see these large washing jugs that would normally be used to make sure people's hands were clean, but they have been completely emptied. They're toppled over. The party has gotten the best of them as well. The camera then moves to a straight on shot of a woman's face and all you can see, the only emotion that is radiating off of her eyes is fear. Because she knows something that everyone else doesn't know and that is that this party is about to come to a screeching halt if something doesn't happen. See, the kind of party that's happening is for the beauty of a wedding. A man and a woman have come together and The whole town is participating in the celebration. We're four days into it, but there are at least three more days to go. Maybe more. But this thing is going to stop because there is no more wine. It's gone. You can see the empty jugs on the table. And this woman feels the responsibility to solve this great problem. So she begins running from home to home, opening every cabinet door that she can find, opening every closet she can get into. There is no more wine in the whole city. And she makes her way finally around a few corners to a place where another group has gathered. And she sees her only support in this moment, her son. Her son is sitting at a table gathered around laughing. There's joy coming off of it. He's sitting with a bunch of men that she's never met before. They look nice enough, so she won't complain about it. But she looks and she says, son, can I talk to you? And he's not rattled. He's not bothered. He's as steady as they come. He says, sure, what's going on? She comes behind him and she kneels in and she's trying to whisper, but he can't really hear. He says, mom, I'm going to need you to speak up a little bit. She tries to speak again. He says, mom, I still can't hear you. I need you to talk a bit louder. She kind of just lets it out. There's no more wine. You moms know what it's like. Your kids, your kids just, they can't hear anything. So you just have to scream at them. And then they're, a, they're just appalled that you would yell at them in such a way. But he's still not rattled. And he looks at her and says, Mom, I don't, I don't think this is my problem. She just stares at her son. She realizes he's growing up because a good son who still lived in her house would certainly not talk to her the way that he just did. And he can tell by the look on her face that he sort of stepped in it. So he says, listen, I don't mean that in a rude way. I don't mean like I don't care. I I care a lot. I'm concerned. I love these people the way that you do, but I, I I can't do anything about this right now. It's not the right time for me to do something about this. And she sits down on the bench next to him and just stares at him. 
again, you know this stare. And all the people around are watching as they say nothing and yet say everything. The declaration that there's no more wine has drawn in another group of people to watch, the servants, the attendants, and they're watching to see what's about to happen as well. And all of a sudden, this mom looks at her son, she looks at the attendants and says, he's going to tell you to do something in a minute, and I need you to do it. And she gets up and walks away. And she loves her son, but she can't help but ponder the question in this moment, laying such a large task at his feet. Can she trust her son? Can she trust him to do what she's asked? Now in step, these attendants who have just watched the most awkward interaction of mother and son that they've ever seen, and they have their own set of anxiety. Because riding on this is not just if there's wine or not, their jobs are at stake here. And these guys are barely making it as they can. And they watch the mother leave and they stare at him and say, so uh, are you, do, you, do you like run a winery? Do you, you're good at wine? Do you, what do you want us to do? And he, this son of this woman just says, no, I'm a carpenter. And a collective sigh erupts among the attendants. He's a carpenter? We can't build wine. We can't, we can't nail wine. What? So, okay, so what, what do you do? And again, the son of this woman is just not rattled. He's just sitting there. He hasn't moved. He hasn't twitched. He looks over. He says, I know around here there are some of those large jars that we wash in. I need you guys to go get them, and I need you to fill them with water. And one of the smarter guys in the group speaks up and says, hey, man, listen, um, we're all clean, like we've bathed, and everyone at the party is washed. The water's not going to move the needle here. That's not going to help. The smarter guy can start to hear the rumbling among the other attendants. This guy is nuts. And he looks at him, he says, just go get the basins, fill them up, and bring them back. One of them very practically says, those things are huge, man. They hold like 120 gallons of water. It's going to take us like hours to do that. The son of the woman just says, well... Get started then. Still, steady as can be, doesn't move a muscle. And these servants, they go, they fill it up. Hours later, as they come back, they present these jars to them and they say, All right, man, we did what you asked. What's, where's the wine? He says, Well, just grab one of those cups, scoop it out, and take it to the father of the bride, and he'll know what to do. You want us to scoop the water out of the the thing and take it to the father of the bride and just let him drink water? What What are you doing here? 
And you realize that for these attendants, they're having this moment with this man. And the question that's circulating in their mind is, can this man be trusted? Because if he can't, our jobs are gone, our livelihood's gone. We've misused these religious artifacts. We're going to be, we're not going to temple anytime soon. Can this man be trusted? The camera then makes a screeching cut to the father of the bride, hidden in a closet in a small house because he has become aware that the wine is gone. And he knows what happens to families when the party stops when the party stops too early. He's heard stories his parents had told him when he was younger that there would be moments where whole families would be brought into the middle of town and made fun of, embarrassed, publicly humiliated because they just couldn't afford to keep the party going. He'd heard stories even of moments where when the family pushed back, they were taken outside of the city and stoned by the drunken mob that they themselves had created. He knew what was coming. And so he, in his self-loathing, is hidden in a closet until he hears knock at the door. You know that feeling when you hear someone knock at the door. You all lay flat on the ground and pretend that you're not home. (laughs) He didn't move a muscle. All of a sudden he hears the door open and he hears multiple feet walking through the house and he hears a knock at the closet door and the door opens and a hand just sticks in a cup. The father says, who, what is this? Who is this? And a small voice just says, I don't know, man. (laughs) Just take the cup. And the father takes the cup And according to John, he tasted the water that had been turned into wine and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. John can't help but write this story in cinematic fashion, can't help but force us to see it as a movie. And I see it as a movie because John has been laying these Easter eggs up to this point about what is really unfolding in this moment. And he gives it to us straight up. He says, one, he says, this is the first of the signs that Jesus performed. John uses the word signs instead of miracles. If someone walked in here and turned this grape juice into Mountain Dew, we would call it a miracle. But John calls it a sign. What's the difference? Where a miracle presents power. A miracle would let us be... We'd be terrified of someone if they did something like that. We'd certainly be skeptical of them. What a sign does is it reveals something that's hidden. It shows something that's going on behind the scenes that the rest of the audience doesn't know about. So John says it's a 
side. And then he gives us what is great. You know, every time you read the Bible and you think to yourself, what is this really about? Well, John tells us, he says, this is a sign that God would receive glory. That somehow something would be opened up, peeled back and revealed to the people who are experiencing this. And they would respond by giving God glory. They would see his beauty, his perfection, his eminence, his power, and they would be able to hand it all to him and say he is worthy and deserving of such a thing. And then John has done something so fascinating. He reveals to us that this is happening on the seventh day of a week. Maybe you've never caught this when you've read the gospel of John. If you have your Bible in front of you, you can see this. In this gospel, John is trying to reveal to us in a special way the significance of this miracle. So he leads us all gradually towards it. And it begins with John the baptizer and the act of baptizing. And then it says the next day, John sees Jesus and he says, behold, the lamb of God. Then again, the next day, the two disciples begin to follow Jesus, the lamb of God. And then again, the next day, Jesus goes to Galilee and that adds up to a total of four days. And then this story opens with on the third day, another way to read it is three days later. What we have in this moment is a seven day unfolding. Seven days, you know this if you've ever paid attention to the scriptures, the seven days in the scriptures always means that what you're looking at is the full picture of something. It is creation, it is fullness, it is Jesus in its fullness. What we have here, evidently, if we read John right, is the clearest picture of Jesus we could ever have. And it has been revealed to us, the secret has been opened. We respond and can only give God glory, but we see the fullest picture of Jesus. And the truest thing that I can tell you is that what we see in this moment is that Jesus is God. He's not just a man. And this God can be trusted. This Jesus is not just some man. He's not just some carpenter from Nazareth. He is God in the flesh. He is the word brought to life. And what better place for God to show up in human existence than a party? What better way to show humanity that he's with us than showing up to a week-long celebration full of God knows what? A wedding feast, for sure. A few tipsy people, probably. The wine is gone. But this Jesus is more than just a man. He is God, and he can be trusted. If we recognize anything about Jesus. It's that he's God and that he can be trusted. We see Mary, she discovers that Jesus is the kind of God who can be trusted with our greatest concerns. He can be trusted to respond to our greatest concerns. Her concern is not just that the wines run out. She knows what happens to people when the wine runs out and she has no one to go to, but Jesus himself. This is our way of understanding that Jesus Jesus is not above your everyday concerns. He's not only concerned with the great problems of our day. He's also concerned with all the things that you're concerned about. You know what I find to be true, though, is that most of us just don't believe that. And so even the little things that unfold in our lives, we just hold them, we just bury them. They turn into anxiety and rage, and we just don't do anything with them. But Jesus is quite concerned about it. I remember... A few years ago, I was sitting in a small university in the middle of Cincinnati, Ohio. I was teaching to a bunch of students. 
and I was sitting on a couch with this kid named Caleb. And Caleb's year had been brutal. Like he was, a, he was a kid and his year had been brutal. His parents had been divorced. They'd separated. It was ugly. He lived in a small enough town that everyone knew about it. He was getting made fun of about it at school. He now had half-brothers and step-brothers and stepsisters and half-sisters that he had never signed up for. And the only brother that he felt safe with had just gone off to college. And Caleb was full of anger and rage. He was one of those high school kids that you just want to punch in the head. I say this as a former youth pastor. And I remember sitting on the couch with Caleb and he's telling me all this through tears, crying. And I go, Caleb, what do you want, man? Like, what do you want? What do you need? He goes, I just don't want to feel alone. And I go, have you ever thought about asking God if he knows that? Have you ever thought about looking to God and going, hey, God, I don't want to feel alone. There are some of you in this room that you have concerns and desires that what you've done with them is just pretended that God has no interest at all. So you just don't bring them up. You just chew on them. You just suffer through it. Some of you, the, the deepest like concern for your life is to have a good and meaningful marriage and so you're gritting your teeth to get through it, but you know it's not working. Have you ever just told God it's what you want? Some of you want to go to work on Monday and not hate your job. Have you ever just told God that's what you want? Some of you wish that you could fix the mistakes you made that made your kid leave. But there's pride there, there's anger there. Have you ever thought about just looking at God and saying, God, this is what I want? Jesus is God, and this God can be trusted. But it's not just what Mary finds out. What the attendants find out is that because Jesus is God, his ability to put command over your life can also be trusted. Jesus has never tried to control you. He's tried to lay soft command over your life so that your life would be fruitful and abundant, not to suffocate it out. Jesus does this all the time. Jesus, what's the best way to live with our finances? I don't know, give it away. And you know what we find? It's not just that Jesus sustains us. He like, he creates bounty out of it. Jesus does this with with marriage, with sexuality, with relationships. He says, you know what? The best place for it to be is with you and the person that you've been married to. Not to be restrictive, not because Jesus is a prude, but because he knows it protects and keeps you as safe and clean as possible. Jesus does this with all sorts of things. I think about what Dallas Willard says about Jesus. It's maybe one of my favorite quotes ever. Can we throw it up? At the literally mundane level, Jesus knew how to transform the molecular structure of water to make it wine. That knowledge also allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and some little fish and feed thousands of people. He could create matter from the energy that he knew how to access from the heavens 
right where he was. He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death to life. He knew how to suspend gravity, interrupt weathered patterns, eliminate unfruitful trees without a saw or an ax. He only needed a word. Surely he must be amused at what Nobel Prizes are awarded for today. All these things show Jesus' cognitive and practical mastery of every phase of reality, physical, moral, and spiritual. Saying Jesus is Lord, which is to say that we trust him, can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying Jesus is smart. He's not just nice, he's brilliant. He is the smartest man who has ever lived. Jesus' command over your life can be trusted because he knows what he's talking about. I wonder how many of you think of Jesus that way. Like he's not just some mythological character. He's not even, let's take it beyond, he's God in the flesh. He's actually the smartest human who ever lived. Like when he tells you to do something, it's because he knows it's right for you. And the way that this unfolds, his command over our life is in a constant pattern. We find ourselves in this cycle. Jesus tells us to do something, we do it and we discover if he was right or not. You know, most people who listen to Jesus' voice, who trust that he's right, I've never heard one of those people go, he failed me. What those people, much like those attendants, discover is that Jesus can be trusted with his command over their life. And you know why he can be trusted? It's what the master of the ceremonies, the father of the bride finds out. And it's that Jesus can be trusted, not just with his command over your life, but he can be trusted with both the quality and the timing of your life. I love what the master of ceremonies says about this miracle. He says, normally people at this moment, they bring out the trash wine, the two buck chuck. But he says to the bride, he's not talking to Jesus. No one knows that Jesus has actually done any of this. He says, man, you've brought out like the best wine you could have brought out. Jesus doesn't skimp on the quality of your existence. That doesn't mean wealth. That doesn't mean prosperity. That doesn't even mean guaranteed health. It just means it is as close to the kingdom of God as he can make it at all times. That's what Jesus fights for. He can be trusted with the quality and with the timing of your life. Jesus doesn't make cheap wine and he doesn't bring it out at the wrong moment. He brings it out at the exact moment that it needs to be. Some of you, some of you right now, I feel like this is just a word for some of us. You're like fretting, wondering over if you have messed up the timing of God. You're wondering if by messing up the timing, you've also messed up the outcome. Just a nice little piece of reminder for us in here this morning. None of us are that powerful. And God is not that petty. God never fudges on the quality or the time of what he is trying to do in your life, of what the miracle is. These aren't the only three people that are watching this happen. Certainly there's lots of people around, but what John makes clear for us is that there is a small group of people who have chosen to surrender their lives to Jesus as a rabbi who are sitting watching this unfold. And John says that one thing 
erupts in their hearts as they watch this happen. You know what it is? It's faith. And what's interesting is that the way John is written, while it's historical in nature, it's also meant to get us to draw ourselves into the story. That the disciples who are watching this and being drawn into higher faith are not just the disciples next to Jesus in that moment. It's the whole church across space and time. That as we even look at this story, hopefully with fresh eyes this morning, what is drawn out in us is deeper and deeper faith. That Jesus is God and that Jesus can be trusted. So as the band comes up and as we get ready to go to the table, I just want to ask you one question. What is the thing in your life that you're holding that you could release if you just trusted Jesus with it? Maybe for some of you, it's your whole life. Like you've never had the moment where you said, Jesus, I don't just see you as like the son of God, but I see you as someone who is worth trusting. Maybe for some of you is very practical. It's the places that your relationships have broken down and you just don't know how to fix it. Could you trust Jesus with it? Maybe it's the places of your career where it once had a long plan to it and you could see the end and it, man, it was beautiful. And that's all crashed. And you don't know where it goes next. Maybe it's the places even just within your own soul that are so broken and fragmented that if you think about it too long, you actually can't think about it at all. The moment you try to think about it, you just push it away, you stuff it down. But as you look around your life, it's the thing that's causing all the chaos. What would it look like to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe that you're God and I believe that you can be trusted with this. What might happen? What might happen if you looked at God, you looked Jesus in the eyes today and saw him for who he really was. And as you looked at him, you discovered that he wasn't hiding from you. Like he was never hidden. He was always trying to show up for you. That he's not afraid of the spots that you're in. He's not afraid of the mistakes that you've made. He's not afraid of the places where you, if you're honest, don't trust him at all you don't trust anyone. New Life is what might happen if we left this place today seeing Jesus as marvelous and as glorious as he is and just trusting him with all of it. I want to invite you to stand as we get ready to take communion this morning. I want to invite our communion servers to come up front as well. We remember that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. If John's gospel starts with a picture of what God in the flesh looks like, what we come to here is what God continues to look like for us. The broken body, 
and the shed blood of Jesus. New Life East, we're gonna make two lines down this center section. You're gonna come forward. One of our servers will give you a gluten-free wafer that represents Jesus's body. You'll then take that wafer and dip it into the cup that represents his shed blood. New Life East, these are the gifts of God given for you, the people of God. Would you come forward to receive communion? Fullness of joy, every fear
as people are coming through the communion line here, I just felt prompted to say one thing. And then we're going to sing that old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You think you guys can do that? Pastor Rory, that was one of the really good messages I've ever heard. Can we show our appreciation for Pastor Rory this morning? So good. Thank you for ministering so faithfully and so well to us. I have been reading that story my whole life. And I'll tell you, the thing that I love the most about that story is that the thing that it's famous for, the turning of water into wine, you never actually see it. <laughs> like the miracle that that story is about, you never actually see the miracle. You only ever see what happens after the miracle happens. And you see Jesus moving around in the story, making things right that need to be made right. And <laughs> I wanna just say to you this morning that some of you, there is this release. This is like the final thing that we need to do this morning is that you've got stuff that you've been trusting God for a miracle for, but you need to like let that go, like give that over into the hands of God. You're like one of the servants at the party. You keep like staring into the ceremonial jar, like waiting for it to happen. You just need to like chill, yo. And like let Jesus do his thing and like obey him. You never actually see the miracle. You only ever actually see Jesus and what happens after Jesus does what Jesus does. Amen. And so as a final thing this morning, can we just sing this old chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's where we need to be this morning. Sing it with us. That's it. There it is. Sing it to your own heart here, church. Let's do it one more time. Sing it with all your faith, church. Come on. Let's just be one more moment in the presence of God here. It was you, Jesus. It's always been you, Jesus. Son of God, word of the Father incarnate. Master, all that we are and all that we have our money, our relationships, our bodies, we give to you. Make something beautiful out of them and teach our hearts how to trust you. Grant it, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now let's sing our doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all. 
Now I say to you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. I invite our prayer team to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Remember, if you're new to see us at Connect Central, fellowship hour is happening in the cafeteria over there. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you real soon.